come on, Luann. You know what this is. Kirk, I don't know what it is. Oy. It could not be more simple, Luann. You want me to show this to the cat and have the cat tell you what it is? Because the cat's going to get it. I'm sorry. I'm not as smart as you, Kirk. We didn't all go to Gudger College. It's dignity! Gah! Don't you even know dignity when you see it? Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, the podcast where we are never ashamed to borrow a feeling. This week we are here to review episode F40F. It is a Millhouse Divided. I am Dando. I am Guy and Dando, get your hand out of my glove of love. I know, right? What a dirty line that snuck past my little eight-year-old <laughs> mind back in the day. But we are very lucky today to be joined also by a man who, if you don't know who he is, you're going to know who he is very, very soon because he's going to be taking over the Australian radio airwaves. He is Radio Mike. How are you, sir? G'day guys, thank you for having me. I've been wanting to come on this podcast since about 2015, which is probably when you started doing it actually, because yeah. I've known you for like seven, eight years now, Dando. Um, so to, to finally be here is such an honour. Thank you so much. One thing, Mike, it's, it's, it's just guy. It's not guys. <laughs> 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 You'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah, we started in May 2015. When did we come to your radio show, Mitch and I, back in the day? Yeah, so I met Dando and Mitch when they came on my community radio show in Melbourne in late 2016, I think. So it would have been like November 2016. Oh, no, no. It couldn't have been November because I was on my honeymoon in November, unless it was just oh. before we left. <laughs> maybe it was... No, maybe it was like October. Maybe it was okay. like... I think it was the... Yeah, I think it was like... Late in 2016, but it was yes. before your honeymoon, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like, last on the picturing Dando saying to Nicola, hold I've the flight. <laughs> Podcast Mike's on the, on the line. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing is, and to your you and Mitch's credit, like I was doing this community radio show at CineFM in Melbourne and I emailed Mitch say, on a whim saying, can you guys come on my radio show where we talked about The Simpsons? And um, Mitch was like, yeah, sure. And you guys drove all the way to Melbourne from Geelong to do a my one-hour radio show and then drove back. And I just thought it was the best thing ever. I mean, the thing was, Mitch did tell me we were going on the drive home show on Triple M. So we'll be driving up. We got, I was like, this doesn't look like Triple M. <laughs> yeah, no. probably like one one-hundredth of the listenership or one one-thousandth of the listenership. I don't know if anyone was listening that day, but it was an awesome experience. Yeah, because you, you did a, a Simpsons show. It was dedicated to the Simpsons, yeah? The, the Yellow Family, is that right? If I remember it correctly. was called The Yellow Family, and every week we, um, we would review an episode of The Simpsons. And, yeah. Um, I, I I think uh, I think it still exists somewhere on the internet, so you can probably dig it up somewhere. But I I don't know. I like to forget I ever did it. I did a lot of stuff on community radio. I always go back and I try and find as many episodes as I can because eventually they will be deleted because the community stations are going to be like, well, we don't want this shit anymore. So I yeah. always try. And keep, I like to try and keep as much as I can. I never go back and listen to it. I just like to know that it's there just to sort of preserve it in history in case my kids ever want to go back and listen to it. You know, crazy old Dan mm. when he was like 20 years old. Absolutely. A weekly show about the Simpsons. Gosh, yeah. that's not a bad not a bad idea. Someone else <laughs> should pick up on that. Take that, take that baton and run with it. Funnily enough that you say that as well about archiving old stuff you did because um, I also worked for Hamish and Andy on their podcast mm. and I, I actually think I'm the only person in the world that has a copy of all of their community radio shows on my computer. Um, because I I found them on on a computer in their offices, and I was just like copy and paste. Let's grab those. So <laughs> I, I don't them. think 
No, I don't think anyone knows that I have them all and maybe one day I'll like sell them on eBay or something. That was like me with the Cheese TV tapes. <laughs> Cause like, oh, really? Because like I got in touch with um with Ryan, who used to be part of the Cheese TV show, one of the hosts, and he's like, oh yeah, I've got all the all, all the demo tapes, not the demo tapes, but like the their versions of the tapes, because they record the show and then give it to them to go back home and watch it. He's like, I've got them all in a box in the garage, and I was like, yes, please. Yeah. So, so, so I was like, I got them home, and Nicholas, I put it on, and it started. It was just like you know. High quality cheese TV just from like 1997. And Nicholas like, what is this crap? I'm like, you don't understand. This mm. is like nostalgia overload. I ha- I'm so glad I own all these. I'm not like the only person in Australia that has like the original cheese TV tapes. I mean, one day, one day we'll make money from our things that we've, we've kept hidden. Won't yeah. We? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope so. One day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Guy, have you ever stolen something that belonged to somebody else to make money from it? I was about to say, who's who usually drops names around here? <laughs> 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 into my tooth. Just tell us about the time you interviewed Quentin Tarantino. Tell us that story again. Or the time you pissed him off. I interviewed Quentin Tarantino once. End of story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you asking if I ever stolen anything? Like Mike stole uh, Hamish and Andy's community radio shows. I stole the Cheese TV original tapes. What have you ever stolen? <laughs> Oh god! Yeah. Apart from the hearts and uh, minds of our view, uh, viewers and listeners, trying to think. Um, I'm pretty sure there's stuff that I would have pinched from various places. I tend to sort of like memory hole all this stuff so it can't be held against me. I'm try- let, let me think. and I, It'll probably come to me okay. you know, midway through another conversation, at which point I'll butt in and just disrupt everything then. Yeah. In the meantime, <laughs> let's uh, talk Divide. about the episode. Be- before we get into Millhouse Divide, there's one quick thing. Mike, for our listeners out there who may not know who you are, what exactly you do, let, just let mm. us know in a few short words. And we'll get into your stuff properly later on the show, but just give us a quick little overview. Yep, so I'm a producer and podcaster from Melbourne, Australia. I've worked with a background in commercial radio and I've produced a bunch of podcasts, including the Hamish and Andy podcast. I'm on air on the Hamish and Andy Remembering Project and then a bunch of Will Anderson's podcasts. He's a comedian here and and more. And then I do my own podcasts and online content that I was kind of like inspired by seeing what you guys were doing on Four Finger Discount. Like I just always was a big fan of you guys. So this is me on the record saying, like I think you inspired a lot of people to talk about pop culture and yeah that's why I love your network so much we can't be worse than these guys <laughs> <laughs> but so you would have produced the shows that guy was on right because he was on Charlie's show yeah I edited Ooh. and produced the faux fop episodes with with guy and um <laughs> that's when I, I and obviously I was hearing guy on four finger discount as well and I was like this is just a meeting of the minds. Like, like I was a Patreon supporter of you guys, and then suddenly I'm getting paid to edit Guy down on Fofop. It was, it was cool. <laughs> it's funny, Dando, uh, Dando, and Mike are looking at each other. They got that thousand yard stare, like um, they're both in Nam or something. It's like, yeah, we, we both, we both had to edit Guy. <laughs> So, no, I so like many, editing you, guy. So many pauses, so many uhs. That, that process was murder for all of us. <laughs> I like anyway. to think I'm learning as I go. <laughs> but a millhouse divided. This was an episode. We like to let our guests choose which one from the first ten seasons for us to go back and review. You chose this one, Mike. Why did you choose a millhouse divided? This episode for me. I think has has just aged so well. Like I come back to it every few years and I think when I was a kid, a lot of it sort of went over my head and as I started becoming an adult, I just think Kirk Van Houten is the pinnacle of like the washed up divorced dad and I think they do that, like the satire of that stereotype in this episode is so strong. 
I love Kirk. Everything about him as a character is just so appealing to me. And even the way, um, I think, I'm pretty sure it's Hank Azaria. He, he kind of like uh, echoes how Milhouse talks. Like mm-hmm. it actually sounds like how Milhouse mm-hmm. talks. And I don't know, I just love like, we'll get into it, but the dignity scene, I sleep in a racing car, all of those moments are just some of my favourite Simpsons one-liner quotes. And I think... Yeah, I just, I've always really loved this episode. This one's got some of my favourite homerisms as well, which we'll get to in my favourite moments. But I think you're right. It's definitely an episode that you appreciate more as you get older. I just think, for example, the dignity scene, right? When I was a kid, eh, it wasn't that funny. But it's it's funny, I was thinking about as I was re-watching it for this podcast, a lot of moments like that, Steamed Hams is another example. As a kid, I was just like, whatever. But it's like, as we've all, as an audience, grown older, we've gone back and revisited the show, and now all these other moments, like Dignity and Steamed Hams, now, like, the highlights of, of our childhood. It's like, but when we were kids, we didn't really like it, but now we think it's the greatest thing of all time. And, yeah, I, just, I was just... Uh, an episode that's focusing on divorce. I remember when I was watching this as a kid, I remember thinking, ah, take a leave of this episode. There wasn't really much humour to it for me. I watched it now as an adult, and, my God, I was just laughing from start to finish. It was just so... Like I said, the homerisms I absolutely love. But, Guy... You don't have to discuss this, obviously. You don't want to, but you know, someone who has been through this process in a more friendly, mutual way. How did you? How did this stack up for you? This episode. Well, yeah, it's funny you mention that. Looking at Kirk, sort of post-divorce or post-breakup, but it, it's very much a uh, a cautionary tale. It's like, okay, yeah, this is what you don't want to be like. You know, no one goes into a marriage thinking oh, this is going to end, um, and when it ends, this is how you should not behave, or this is how you should conduct yourself. But yeah, looking, it's like, oh man, if I ever you know wind up um, single again in middle age or single in middle age or whatever, I'd be like, oh yeah, none of this, um, none of this race car business, none of this, uh, you know, sitting next to Starla at the <laughs> at Mo's, none of. Um, n- it's a great bit of animation just in the background at um, cutting to the chase, yeah, cutting to the spoilers, but uh, cutting to Homer and Marge's second wedding. Mm-hmm. You see Kirk in the background. He's just, you know, he's holding the glass. He's got the <laughs> dad body. He already, he already had the dad yeah. body, clearly, but it's just like, oh, yeah, you, you look like the- You're sad. <laughs> yeah, the exemplar of what not to be. So yeah. um, I thought all that was really funny, but something else that I really- sort of dug and really appreciated and really that resonated with me was, um, I don't know, I don't know how old Homer and Marge are meant to be in this it's sort like of- It's 38, 39-ish is usually where they sort of, it's late yeah. 30s, yeah. I'm just thinking that when you hit your late 20s, certainly in my, oh, mid to late 20s in my circle, it was very much a thing of like, well, let's have dinner parties. Grown-ups have dinner parties, right? You know, everyone come around for dinner and, you know, we'll set the table and we'll have the candles and, you know, we'll make sort of- grown-up conversation and I don't know that you can't force that you know I remember I we had um a dinner party for about like four of my old school friends were like coupled up for maybe four or five and we all went to my friend JP's and you know we're sitting around this very nice table one has just had a kid we're all married or um or uh, engaged or whatever and I could tell it to my ears, it just felt like, oh, man, we're really trying to sound adult here. And, you know, we were sort of adults, but it, we were really forcing it. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so, oh, this wine is just marvellous. Oh, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, it's very, have you seen that latest Woodsy Owl? <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, Marge trying to 
force a bit of maturity and a bit of sophistication on her on her um, gr- circle of friends or a circle of acquaintances in Springfield really rang true for me. Well, she doesn't really know how to socialise because she doesn't have a big... She, she has a, a, like associates. like She has other mothers like, like Maud and yeah. Helen Lovejoy and stuff like that, but she doesn't hang out with them all that often. So you're wondering who Marge's best friend in Springfield is. I don't know. Who, who would you say her best friend is, Mike? I don't know. But, but like, on that point, there's there's also that, that funny moment in this episode where Luann's like, forget everything you know about Luann Van Houten. Mm. And Marge is just like, actually, I don't know anything yeah. about you. <laughs> it's like, that just kind of exemplifies how much of a charade this whole thing is. It's like, yeah, I guess we'll invite the Van Houtens, we'll invite the Hibberts. Mm. Like, we don't really know them. But sure, like, they have families like us. And... Yeah, I mean, Marge as a character, yeah, she doesn't really seem to have friends. Um, and I, I don't know, I couldn't name one. Maybe, maybe Maud. But maybe then there's Maud, no, yeah. there's no Ooh. real Maud Ruth. Marge stories, is there? Yeah, well, Ruth. Just like, clean it, wash your hands and get out. Is that the, yeah. that's Maud, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, so they actually chose these four couples because they thought that these were the four most established couples in the show. That's what. That's the only reason they were here for the party. But it's like, so the Flanders live next door. That's why they were there. The Reverend and Helen, they, they, the Simpsons go to church. They divided them. You got the Hibberts, it's the family doctor, and then you got the Van Houtens, just because it's Bart's best friend's parents. Like, there's no real sort of association <laughs> because they're friends. It's just because they have to see each other for various things. I kind of get that though. Like, I can totally see. Not that I have kids, but if you were, you know, around the playground at school picking up the kids and you're talking to the other mums, it's like, oh, we should have you over for dinner sometime. <laughs> like, that's my head canon of how the Van Houtens end up getting invited <laughs> yeah. to the dinner party. <laughs> My, my thing now is just like, oh, we'll have to catch up sometime. Yeah, let's do that. And we never catch up, like yeah. my friends. It's just, it's just what you say. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to middle age. Yeah. <laughs> Can I also say I, I love as well the Luann and Kirk kind of, um, you know, spatting throughout yeah. the dinner party mm. as well. Like we, we all know that couple who are just maybe not to this extent, but they're just this couple that is constantly at each other and you just sort of like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. this is not normal. If I want to see your dirty laundry, I'll come to your house. <laughs> yeah, and, and, exactly. and, and, and And hang out in your laundry. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and what I love is, is it's from the moment they walk in the door, which just does imply that this is a constant in their lives. Mm. Like, the whole car ride there from, you know, from waking up in the morning, they're just at each other, and Millhouse is just in the middle of it. Yeah, that's, that's as Marge says, the victim in all this is Millhouse. And yeah. I love the way that they portray how the destruction of a family unit uh, impacts everybody in that unit. So, for example, Luann, she feels refreshed. She's rejuvenated. She's a new woman. Kirk's trying to hide his shame and his embarrassment by saying, you know, oh, yeah. when the guys arrive, what is it, a patio party? He's like, no, no, a dead possum. <laughs> not like he's, he's trying to make it out like yeah. this new life is something that he wants, but it's, it's not at all. And Milhouse is just enjoying the freedom of a, a, a mother who's now carefree and a father mm. who's willing to do anything for his son's love. And don't forget Kirk trying to kick off his music career as well, oh, which course, is such yeah. such a classic, like, well, I've got it for us. I'm a new man. You know, I'm getting my music back up and running. <laughs> I love the 90s aspect of that. My demo tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Something that kids these days watching this episode will have no idea. Like, yeah. once that tape's destroyed, you ain't going to get another one, you know? No. My SoundCloud account. Yeah. <laughs> I got hacked. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought there's a real sense of reality, particularly the, the scene where at the dinner party, it just felt like, it felt so real. Even not the, the opening shot where you got the kids just screwing around in the other room. That's just what it's like at a, at a dinner party. You know, just kids over there. You go, we don't give a shit what you're doing. As long as you're not bothering us, you just go in that room and have fun. 
one of my favourite bits from this episode, which we'll talk about in our favourite bits, of course. But yes. All right, well, let's do that, shall we? That. Let's discuss our favourite bits. Hey, my favourite. What were yours, Guy? <laughs> well, yeah, as you mentioned. Sorry, I sounded like, not like Hibbert then. <laughs> um, one thing I really love was just all the kids trying on the various coats in the in the um in the bedroom or whatever and um Bart doing his um his hibbert. <laughs> just like, I'm, I'm afraid I'll have to your, amputate your butt. <laughs> amputate your butt. <laughs> that is just the height of comedy for a you know, an eight or nine year old. Yeah, yeah. You can bet that, you know, years from now Millhouse is gonna be saying, remember that time you said you'd amputate my butt? <laughs> Yeah, so love that. Um, as I said, um, yeah, Marginer stabs at sophistication at the dinner table. It's like, yeah, mentioning Woodsy Allen. But yeah, true. I truly was around in a different time because, yeah, Woody Allen used to be sort of shorthand for like, um, I like my entertainment on the sophisticated side. Well, we did the episode, um, the the alternate cipher, the talking cipher, and it was all about Woody Allen filming a movie in New York. Yeah, that would never happen now, you know? You can't do it anymore. <laughs> You can't, you can't do your Woody Allen impersonation anymore. It just doesn't work. <laughs> that was meant to be Woody Allen. But <laughs> I thought it was well, quite that, good. That was Woodsy. That was not Woody. But what? Uh, <laughs> that was Woody Allen. Yes. What else um, did you like? Oh, and one other. What was the name of the guy at um, at uh, the Bachelor Pad Apartments who you know uh, informed Jerry. about the uh, the Jerry? <laughs> I couldn't get enough of. It's one of the guys' moments. You can't stop. You can't talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Kirk clearly sort of enamored of this guy. He's the big wheeler here. And Homer's like, well, thanks for introducing me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just love that Homer. It's so desperate to be in with any in crowd that he's like, oh, well, you know, I'd really like to get to know Jerry as well. Um, so many other little uh, – okay, there's a few. I'll get to them when we do the whole thing. But, yeah, okay. um, but just one thing I love the most was – Homer trying to do the right thing, and he's like, I got theatre tickets for, you know, the whole season. An evening with Philip Glass, just an evening. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. What about you, Mark? Uh, So for me, like, favourite is just the entire dignity scene and the Pictionary scene, but particularly, I think probably my favourite moment is Kirk's, and I'm going to butcher the voice, but I'm going to try it, where he's like, "Uh, you want me to show it to the cat? And have the cat tell you what it is, cause the cat's gonna get it. I just love. Like, I don't know why I. Such a patronizing why, prick. Yeah, it's so that's, funny. That's a pretty good Kirk Van Howden. Thank you. Yeah. Um. I. I. I just think that entire scene is just genius, and it's one of those ones where you like the, even the dignity picture. It's like you'd just love to be in the writer's room for that. Like, how did they decide what that was gonna look mm. like? Like to me, that's so fascinating. But then. Other favourite, of course, is I sleep in a racing car. I sleep in a big bed with my wife. Like, Homer just being so oblivious to what is occurring. (laughs) Um, And then finally the ending where it's like, what do you say, Luann? Will you marry me again? And she's like, oh, no. Like, totally (laughs) defying the kind of happy ending fairy tale that we think we're going to get and just being like, no, she doesn't want to marry him again. The whole relationship was problematic. There's no way she'd want to do that. 
and I think that's what makes this episode stand out so much because we're so used to Homer and Marge getting back together even though he's done the most despicable mm. things and it gets worse and worse as the show gets on but at this point he's mm. done some shitty things and Marge has got back to him through thick and thin but here Luann's in reality she'd be like why would I ever get back with you again no I'm not gonna-. I thought yeah, that's the perfect ending to this episode really and one of the only moments in the show where the continuity is affected because like yes. for the next however many years I know they end up back together but you know Luann and Kirk were divorced they and that became a part of Milhouse's story as well and Kirk became a favorite character for many people after the the, the divorce because he became pathetic he sort of became like a, a Gill and Gill wasn't even in the show at this mm. point I think mm. Gill and Kirk are sort of like the lovable losers in the later seasons but I wonder whether they, they planned on actually keeping Kirk around after this because it, I mean, he'd been in the show, but he wasn't like a prominent character by any means. They were a prominent sort of couple because of the Millhouse association with Bart. But I wonder whether they thought, yeah, whether they realised Kirk's going to go on to become not a lead character, but a really favourite character for many people. Yeah, I think that too. Um, I, I And I think it, it isn't often that like a character like that gets that, that resurgence after they have their sort of one focal episode mm-hmm. on the show. So like for Kirk to go on and yeah, become this recurring character in the show that was really popular is awesome. Cause for me, more Kirk is, is more laughter for Mike. And that's yes. what I love. <laughs> more Kirk is never enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoyed the, um, like I said, a lot of Homerisms. My favorite by all means is it's the quote I use the most every, like almost every day in my life, just going to put my shoes on, but it's not yeah. so much that it's, <laughs> not, it's, like, it's, it's the reading of that line, but it's also when the doorbell rings and Homer's moment of, Oh shit. And he runs off in his undies to get ready. And it's the visual <laughs> of Homer running off in his undies. That gets me. <laughs> I love the fact that he's he's not just naked, he's naked and playing Scalectrix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For what reason? Yeah. <laughs> like he, he set the entire racetrack up at some point before the party. Like it, it wasn't out before. It reminds me, every time I go to say to Nicola, I'm going to go clean the garage and she comes in two hours later and it's me sitting in my undies playing Scalectrix. She's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be cleaning. And I'm like, I found this in the box. Like, yeah. like, that's what happens every time I go to clean the garage. I end up doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing. But I um, also really enjoyed the, Marge goes to have a conversation with herself. I don't want to talk about it. Keep it down in there, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, <laughs> Marge, we're not talking about a toothbrush here. <laughs> What's the fudge bowl? <laughs> you can't return it, yeah. Oh, so good. And there's two more There's two more things quickly. So is this how you envision married life? Yeah, pretty much, except we're driving around in a van solving mysteries. <laughs> and, the, and the reading of Reverend Lovejoy, when she's like, I, I hate stealing clothes from the church collection plate, the oh, sweet Jesus. I, lo- yeah. I love the oh, sweet Jesus. It's just, it just kills me. But what were you going to say? Guy, I can see you want to say something. <laughs> No, no, jumping back real quickly to just, uh, Marge, we're not talking about a toothbrush here. It is one of the great bonding moments when you're in a couple or in a relationship or whatever. When you realise you have the same moral values as your partner when it comes to like, yeah, let's let's buy this and then maybe, you know, clean it real quickly and then bring it back. So that's not what we wanted. You know, you find out you're on the same moral wavelength yes. you know, when it comes to, you know, uh, ripping off corporations or trying to get free shit. You know, it's great. It's like, oh, you know, it's you want kids? I want kids. Are you okay with, uh, you know, stealing shit from Maya? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. 
Time for some trivia. But before we get into trivia, it's of course time to read out the names of our $20 patrons. Starting with Andrew Zur, Steamed Ham Champion, Dylan Haggett, Jordan Molman, Richie, Christopher Darby, Pete Anderson, Plain Old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Hank Scorpio, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, uh, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Grand Skipper Noah, Declan Phoenix, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, and Adric McLeod. Thank you so much, guys, for your continued support. Being $20 patrons, also newest members of the Four Finger Discount family this week, we have Andrew Calder, Benjamin, Michael Sultana, Scott Gerard, Shane Hogan, Zach Wood, uh, Alistair McDonald, Jesse Jones, and Joe. And also double shout outs to our man, uh, Elliot J. O'Neill from the Simpsons Index podcast, who is our $100 patient of the month. Simpsons Index podcast guy and myself were on there recently. Make sure you go there, subscribe, listen to our episode and all the other episodes they have on there as well. They've been going for several years. So there's plenty of hours of Simpsons content for you guys there. The Simpsons Index podcast, as well as our patron, Brian Hughes, is also chucked as $100 for us to review Pee Wee's Great. Is it Great Adventure, Mr. Davis? Pee Wee's Great Adventure? Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Big Adventure. Okay. I've never seen it, so he really wants me to watch it, and Guy loves this movie, so we're going to be doing that exclusively for our Patreon. If you want to support the show for as little as one single dollar you do, you can do so at patreon.com slash discount. Links in the description of this podcast. A $5 plus subscription will get your name read out on the show. Mm-mm-mm, that's good patron. It's delicious. All right, Mike, hit me with your first question. Hit us with your first okay. question. Okay. What time are the Simpsons eating dinner? Ooh, damn it. I'm going to say... Uh, sorry, this is at the start of the episode oh. when they're, they're eating on the couch. 5.15. That is correct. It's 5.15. All right. We should put our hand... How are we going to do this? I, I, I buzzed in first. That was me going... Mm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was too busy over... <laughs> but guess what? Top. I was going to say 5 p.m. So I didn't embarrass myself. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Guy, what's your first question? Oh, okay. I'll allow, Mike, uh, to, Mike, I'll allow you to answer first. If you can't, okay. then I'll just in. Okay. I'll be bad at this, I'm sure. <laughs> According to the Flanders, uh, what is good for keeping down urges? Ah, uh, um, it's it's not cornstarch, is it? Yes, oh, it, it is. is it is cool. Great, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he draws it on the Pictionary with it's just like five yeah, dots, just dots, <laughs> <laughs> keeping down the urges. My first question is: How much does a divorce cost? Oh, yep, guy, eight dollars. Eight dollars, correct? Ah, yes, there you go. Cross that off my questions list. You'll see that uh, Dando and I are finishing each, other, each other's uh, sandwiches. Um, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to um, when it comes to our questions, there's a bit of crossover. Uh, will I do my second? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Yes, please. After the dinner at the dinner party, mm-hmm. one person at the table is smoking a cigarette. Who is it? It's Kirk. It's Kirk. I've got that Kirk smoking at the dinner table. What are you doing, mate? It is Kirk. <laughs> when did this episode air? Originally aired, I want to say like 96. Yeah, no, December 1st, 96. Mm. Mm. I just thought That's, it was such a relic yeah. of its time. Yeah, still. Uh, but uh, even that, though, it's like when you're at a party, if no one else is smoking, do you just pull it? I, I don't know what it was like because I was still a kid, but when you're allowed to smoke inside with, uh, at, like at a restaurant and stuff, if you were at someone's house who wasn't a smoker, would you pull out a cigarette in their house still and smoke? Or would you go, oh, I'm going to go outside? If they're not smokers, surely the courteous thing to do is go out, right? Mm. As someone who was around and smoking in the mid-90s, if it was just you or if you knew that the, the house was not a traditional cigarette house, you would you know, make the effort say, I'm going to fire up a dart here. Should I go outside? And yeah. you know, they wouldn't very well say, no, 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 stay there. <laughs> I would kick you out. (laughs) (laughs) Wholly understandable. That's a terrible habit. (laughs) All right. What's your next question, Mr. Davis? Oh, okay then. Where was Starla interning? 
Ooh, oh. it's a radio station. You should get this one, Radio Mike. It's not. It's not the KB KBBL. Yeah. Is oh, no, it? it's not KBBL. No, oh, no, no. Okay. no. It's something. It's something five thirty though, right? It's mm-hmm. K something five thirty. What, what is mm-hmm. it? You've, you've got You're us. getting closer. Uh, it's K Zog Radio five three zero. Radio five three zero. All right. My second question is uh, Jerry, the man at the uh, the Casanova, is a major player where? Not at the YMCA, is it? No, no. It's something uh. along that that vibe, though, isn't it? It's the sewing store. Oh, that's oh. right. <laughs> the sewing store. What did, he, what did he call him? Did he say Big Wheel? He's a major player at the, at the major sewing player, store. Well, yeah. Thanks for introducing him. Kirk's me. a big wheel at the, at the cracker factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. well, he was. Now, answer me this. Is the man who fires Kirk still, is that supposed to be Luann's dad still? I actually thought that, but I I don't think so. I no, reckon- When I was a kid, I always thought it was, I just assumed it was the dad, but- No, I don't think it is because I think it's him. I, I just think they don't look enough alike. That's what no, I no. thought. They, because- they would have given him blue hair. And they I th- wanted that, yeah. Yeah, and I think the dis- the conversation would have been different if it was Luann's uh, dad. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Mr. Oh, do we, are we allowed to say your last name? Well, it's yeah, on. It's, 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 it's here on, it's here on uh, Zoom. Yeah, yeah, you can. It's, it's Liberali. Yeah. <laughs> uh, final question from me. Lisa sings a song at the party. Which Australian football club mm. uses this song for its theme? Go, guy. Come on, mate. I'm, I'm doing the whole song in my head. <laughs> it doesn't say that. It doesn't. It says the colours, not the team. Yeah, name. it doesn't say the yeah. name of the team. It's the and demons, right? The demons. Yes, it is the Melbourne Demons. And, Give it up for the red and the blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. reason I asked this is because when I first saw this as a kid, I just I. Like I didn't know that football team songs were based on real songs. So yeah. I heard this and I was like, why is Lisa singing like the theme to an Australian <laughs> football team? It just made no sense to me at all. That's why when the Simpsons go to the opera, I think it's like in like second episode ever, like Bart the Genius, when they start going, duh, 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 duh. I'm like, what? Geelong? why is she singing the Geelong theme song? What's, yeah. what's happening here? <laughs> what were you going to say, guy? No, 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 no. You, you've actually said it. So Okay. <laughs> okay yeah. but the, the thing is, I left, I left that question for you because I'm like, well, Guy's dad is one of the most celebrated AFL footballers of all time. And then you nearly showed me up. You're like, hang on. I've got to try to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, great. If it was a Geelong related question, you'd be fine. I'm, I'm sure of it. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, what's your final question, Mr. Davis? The Cracker Factory is currently tied for sixth with What? It's Allied oh. Biscuit and something else. What's the other one? I don't. I remember Allied because Marge yeah. hides the, <laughs> the, the package. <laughs> What's the other one? The other one is Table Time. Table Time. Uh, yes. All right. And my final question. I've got about 10 questions here. Yeah, I'm going to pick bunch. one of them. All right. Let's pick the most challenging one. Here's one. I've never noticed this until I watched it for this review. Who were Homer's best men at the second wedding? Ooh. They were just standing behind him as they were about, as the Reverend was reading out the vows. You see, so, just as the wide shot. So it wasn't Lenny and Carl? No. So Carl, uh, Kirk is sitting next to Milhouse at the back. Here's a bit of a hint. And Luann's sitting over the other side by herself. Oh, it wasn't that? Chase, was it? It was Chase and Flanders. <laughs> I'm like, why is Chase That's the best man? That makes a whole bunch of sense, though. It really why? does. Of course, why? Homer's just going to gravitate towards this guy. Oh, yeah, the gladiator, of course, yeah. Yeah, of course he's going to just hero-worship this guy. And Chase, despite, you know, m- muscling in on Van Houten domestic blitz, bl- sorry, bliss, 
Blitz. Jesus. Seems like a mensch. Even when like when Marge first walks in, Kirk like I don't Kirk, um Chase gives her a wink as if it's like, yeah, this is your evening. I was like, seems like and a we, good dude. <laughs> yeah, we always say that in their relationships, men are punching above their weight because, you know, we all love our partners and that kind of stuff. Luann's punching above her weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you reckon it would have been funny if Jerry was one of the best men as well? That would have Jer- oh, been Chase. great. That would have oh. been really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well played. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you can support the show for as little as one single dollar we do per month, where you'll not only be granted eternal happiness, but you also get access to exclusive podcasts, our exclusive Facebook community, prize draws, and much, much more. So become a member of the Four Finger Discount family today by going to patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She's literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of A Millhouse Divided was December 1st, 1996. It was written by Steve Tompkins. Now, apparently this was the only sole writing credit that Steve ever had on the show. Been been working on the show for several years. And Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein have said that he contributed more to the show over their time as the showrunners than any other writer on the show. So, Steve Tompkins, big, uh, a big wheel down at the, uh, the Simpsons factory. <laughs> big up to Steve. I mean- yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, it's nice to get it's nice to get props from those guys, but then secondly, you know, just to have your name on an absolute winner of an episode like this, it's yeah, you know, pretty cool. I wonder if it was a winner of an episode back in 1996, though, because we were the majority. I want to say the majority of the audience still at that time were probably kids or young kids who didn't appreciate this episode till they were older, you know. But at mm. least we can look back now and go, great work. <laughs> I will wager that by the time we you know reach this season, The Simpsons, you've got a bunch of adults and and young adults as well who are. Yeah tuning in and who are picking up on stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think this was well-received at the time. It was directed by Stephen Dean Moore. Uh, there was no chalk gag. Just one of those ones that cuts straight into the um, the couch gag. And it's the one the family sits down. Bart is green. Homer fiddles with the TV, smacks him in the back of the head, and he turns into the correct colour. Now, did you know also, by the way, that this was the eighth consecutive episode? Cause I went to the SimpsonsArchive.com, whatever it is. And this is the eighth consecutive episode that doesn't have the normal outro music. I never picked up on that as a kid. Eight consecutive episodes. The last two of season oh. seven and the first six of this season all have different outro music like that's related to the episode. Well, I was a, I was a very big fan of this of the Yacht Rock outro in yeah. this episode. I thought it was very cool. I was, I was, I'm, I'm disappointed because it would have been one of the questions I asked Bill last week or whether that was a thing they liked to sort of differentiate and have the outro theme to be something that's based on the episode. I always liked the um the play on the, the Simpsons theme for the various episodes. It makes the episodes feel special, I always thought. But yes, the episode kicks off with the family all sitting around eating their dinner in front of the TV. Now, did you guys ever do this as when, you, when you're in the family unit when you were growing up? Because we did, and it's sort of a, a habit that's transferred over to me now. I We all sit in front of the... Oh, the kids usually eat dinner earlier. We have dinner later because we want to sit down and actually enjoy our dinner. But we sit in front of the TV and eat it. And it's, a, it's probably a bad habit, especially when you've got kids. But what about you guys? Did you ever do this? 
It was a 50-50 split growing up, certainly. I mean, there'd be times when you'd be at the dinner table, you know, Margaret, not Marge here, but Margaret Mary, my mother, would pull rank and say, eat at the table like a civilised human being, and there'd be other times where it's like, I want to have my steak and chips in front of Countdown or something. Um, (laughs) God, I'm showing my age. Uh, (laughs) And look, I mean, I have a dining table here. It is used for just um, stuff. Stuff is on it. I don't eat. I don't need food at it. I always eat my meals in front of the TV. But there will be times when I go over and see the lovely Louise. It is invariably around the table. And but there will be some occasions when we're both just beat, both just knackered, and it's like we're just going to eat in front of the TV. It's in front of the TV, and it's like, oh, and and those are the best nights. It's like a treat. What about you, Mike? We actually always growing up would eat around the table with my parents, so we would never be allowed to eat in front of the TV. Um, okay, fancy pants. Yeah, I know. Well, but I think like my mum was like thought it was very unsophisticated. But funnily enough, now I live in a one bedroom apartment. I don't even have a dining table. Like I only sit <laughs> well, mainly because it doesn't really fit with all my work stuff. But I literally just sit and eat off the coffee table on the couch. And uh, I love it. What's what's your thing to do? Your favorite thing to do whilst you're eating is it watching TV, listening to a podcast, reading the articles on a phone? Like I think for me, if I've got the house to myself, I think I enjoy the most just skimming through on my phone, just reading, taking in news whilst I'm eating. What about you guys? I love YouTube. I think okay. dinner is my peak YouTube time because it's like you know it might take me 15 minutes to eat, and that might be three. YouTube videos or one and a half YouTube videos. So that's why I'm, I, I don't like watching a TV show while I'm eating because it might, yeah. I, I like everything to be finished by the time I've finished eating and I can control that more <laughs> with YouTube. <laughs> it's like an OCD thing. No, I'm much the same. I mean, I'll, I'll either watch the news or yeah, not something you really have to focus on. Uh, but I'll tell you what, when I'm, if I'm eating, not eating out like at a restaurant, but say, <laughs> say I'm at the food court and I you know, grab something from schnitz or whatever, that's invariably where I'm reading while I'm eating as opposed to you know, listening to music or watching anything on my phone. Um, it's, it's funny how you, you sort of little, you, you compartmentalise various uh, complementary duties for where, where, wherever it is you're eating or whatever it is you're doing. Anyway, so the, the family are eating the dinner, as we said. Homer wants a clear plate so he can lick the plate and watch TV at the same time. <laughs> I want to say they're eating meatballs of some kind, but Lisa's eating them as well, so maybe they're falafel balls. Who knows? But one falls on the floor, they get the, the pets, and Maggie iron it off, and then Homer with the classic yoink, which apparently was a word that The Simpsons created, yoink. Oh, really? really? Yeah, yeah. Yoink was never used but until it was like, yoink. That's, that's no. whenever you say someone... Is. Yeah, now everyone uses it. It's just, it's just become a thing, part of pop culture, part of life. Um, Bart suggests they eat out of a trough. <laughs> I, well, I, what I love about that, Dando, is like he doesn't know what it's called. Mm. He's like, why don't you get a big <laughs> tray that or one big plate we can all out of, all eat yeah. out of? And Marge is just like, that's a trough. We're yeah. not going to eat out of a trough. <laughs> but he just thinks it's a brilliant idea. And I mean, if you thought of it, you know, and you didn't have the sort of the, the pig connotations or the uh, farm animal connotation, you'd kind of go, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> that's, 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 you know, effective and, you know, efficient. And, and at least know, we'll be eating as a family. We'll be eating as a family. No, not as much washing up. <laughs> I, I feel like when you're a kid, those things are, are like, you have ideas like that. Like, I remember one of my big ideas as a kid was, why don't we just have a big stick where you can turn the lights off with the stick, which without having to get off off the couch? <laughs> a reaching broom. A reaching broom. Yeah, yeah like a reaching broom. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what, what, we have to tackle that episode soon, Mister Davis. King size Homer, the 
Fat Homer. Oh, what an episode in the moon <laughs> room. But uh, yeah, so Bart's sitting there. He's in his underwear at 5.15. Hey, one of my favorite things to do before I had kids, of course, was get home from work. Not necessarily get into my undies, but just shoes off, pants off, you know, just like. Oh, yeah. I, it's just, it's the best feeling. Just, I'm, I'm home. No one's going to fucking bother me. I'm in my undies. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Living alone, that is, yeah, a constant for me. 5 p.m. I work from home, but 5 p.m. everything turns off and I'm just pants off, um, get into some shorts. Feels good. Or oh, three o'clock as you're doing this <laughs> podcast now in your undies. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm not. You can only see the top half of me. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa. How is school? How is what? What? School, school. It's not time for school. I know it's not. Mm, I'm going into the dining room to have a conversation. Anyone who wants to join me is welcome. Hello, Marge. How's the family? I don't want to talk about it. Mind your own business. Keep it down in there, everybody. Like I said, though, Marge is speaking for all people on the who, who feel they should be behaving in a more mature manner than they are. When she's, I want napkins. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like <laughs> my family, right? I didn't see any issue with it. And then when I brought like Nicola home and I saw like, because I wanted to impress Nicola, and I saw the way my family was acting, I was like, my God, you're animals. <laughs> so it's like, never bringing a girl back here ever again. That's <laughs> like, I felt like Marge in this moment. I'm like, be normal. Be, be decent people. But anyway, but Homer's now in bed with Marge and he's reading Hot Lotto Picks Weekly, which I absolutely love because it reminded me of the, the video game cheat mags we used to read in the 90s. You know, you want to learn how to do a, a, a five-piece combo in Tekken 3? Buy this magazine and we'll tell you how. But Hot Lotto Picks, I mean, I'm sorry. Like 12, 12 is looking pretty good this week. Yeah. <laughs> Put all your money on the following combo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What? Why? Oh, and of course, so you know, there's some chump out there who's like, no, I get all my tits from Hot Lotto magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one day someone will read that magazine and win, and then they're in. Yeah. <laughs> as, as seen in Hot and Hot Lotto Picks Weekly. But Marge then asked, you know, is this how you vision marriage life? Married life? Oh, yeah, pretty much. But except we drove around solving mysteries, but I think it's fantastic. Then mm. Marge says, you know, I pictured napkins. <laughs> I just want the reading. Napkins. That's, 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 that's so important to her. And she um she says she wants to throw a party. Homer's not keen. And I'm like, this is me. I don't want to fucking throw a party. I don't want people at my house. Mm. Particularly like kids' parties. Nicola this year for Elliot's fourth birthday, she's like, should we just have it here? I'm like, are you mad? Having. 15 four-year-olds running around this house? No way. Never happening. But um, Marge no, says- No, I don't know. Precious memories. Precious memories uh, for the future. Fuck, fuck memories. And she says, you know, we're definitely having a party. So we get Stoner's Pot Palace, which I completely <laughs> forgot was in this episode. Such, that is what such I want a to do. <laughs> what I want to do is I want to get that- There's that meme of Michael Jordan where he's saying, fuck them kids. Oh, yes. <laughs> but put, put, put Dando on it instead. Yeah, fuck their memories. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Stoner's Pop Palace. You love this quote, don't you, guy? Use it all the time. The false advertising. Oh yeah, <laughs> big fan of st- <laughs> poor old Otto. Imagine wandering <laughs> into Stoner's Pot Palace. And all you find is like a melon baller or a citrus zester. Oh man, ripped off. Marge that- is just going through all, all the, the top of utensils. You said that you're never going to use, but she just wants to feel like you know, feel special. Can I just add on Stoner's Pot Palace? Like that's just another joke that you don't get when you're a kid. Like nah. it mm. just you have to be you know in your teens really to start understanding yeah. that joke. And then and then like that might have been the first time I realized that Otto was a stoner. Like I didn't get. Yeah. I just thought Otto was a cool rock star, a bus driver kind of guy. But then you realize as an adult, there's so much more to that character. 
Yeah, because they they're very obvious with it in the later seasons or the the, the teen seasons. You know, you just mm. see Otto smoking. Mm. I mean, they've had references to it, like you know, another acid flashback and things like that. But as a kid, you're like acid flashback. What are you talking about? You know, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember watching this as a kid going. Why is it false advertising, Otto? They clearly sell pots. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, y- your big brother or your older sibling is behind you on the couch going, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beaver some butthead style. <laughs> but she's, yeah, she's going through all these utensils. And um, one of my questions was going to be, what, which one was made in the USA? Can any of you guys remember that? That was the oyster oh, mallet. Yeah, the oyster mallet. Yeah. Made in USA. Maybe no, only primper. Just use a fork. Exactly. Uh, Maggie, she, they test out the nonstick coating with Maggie. Margin sees the punch bowl. And I've read online that this, and I can see it that how it could be a gag. This is what the gag was intending to be, but I never ever saw it as this. Apparently, Homer confused the punch bowl for a diamond. And that's why he says, Who am I? Liz Taylor? Because she's known for diamonds. Oh, okay. I just thought because it looked expensive and she's rich. That's, yeah, that's what I thought as well. But I also don't yeah. know who Liz Taylor is, so that went over my head still you, to this you day. You still don't know who Liz Taylor is? No, who is she? Wow. See, that's Elizabeth that's, Taylor? It's like, three gener- it's like three generations of people here. So you've, yeah. <laughs> so you've seen... Liz Taylor was on The Simpsons. She was on the um, like when Krusty has his comeback special. Oh, she's that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm yes. looking at a picture of her now. But and all- I, I yes, know and exactly she- who she was on The Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> also one of the biggest stars that Hollywood ever produced. <laughs> Back in the day. I'm a millennial guy. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, even Generation X is probably going, mm-hmm. Quick. Go, go, go over to that window and, and shake your fist at the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> but Liz Taylor, she was a, the voice of um, Maggie. She's the one that says daddy. Oh, love that. Mm, yeah. So there you go. You've learned something here at Four Finger Discount. <laughs> you had fun. You learned a little something too. Where the guests come to learn shit. <laughs> but yeah, so the Liz Taylor joke, yeah. And then she, maybe we can use it and bring it back the next day or whatever. We're not talking about a toothbrush here. When Homer tries to act all dignified, we've discussed this, haven't we, guy? When he's like trying to take oh, the yeah. higher ground, it's always hilarious. We're not talking about a toothbrush here, Marge. <laughs> Marge is then uh, stressing out in preparation for a big party. And this is totally Nicola. Whenever we're having a party, she's always just freaking out like the last half an hour it's just like to stay away from Nicola not that it's a bad thing because it's just because she likes to be prepared and yeah. you don't you don't want to be the reason that things aren't prepared so you just stand back but um, I, I get it though because we've all planned a party of some kind and you always think what if I for-? you always think you've forgotten something and Marge is yeah. just that in this moment she's over glazing the ham and getting Lisa to do the toilet seats and everything like that but it's all set up really nice and I like the way she sort of improvises and bites the candle so they're yeah. at the same height and then um, and then we get the just gonna put my shoes on moment but like I said the, the visual of Homer running off in his undies is just something that I just absolutely adore I just think it's so great <laughs> Homer what are you ready just gotta put my shoes on the only thing I asked you to do for this party was put on clothes and you didn't do it. And now it's too late. They're here. I do love how almost begrudging everyone is about the party as well. Like we've touched on it a bit, but just, you know, I, I feel like in my family growing up, my mum also was like the one who, you know, really wanted to present outwardly this idea mm. of our family being like this perfect family, our clean, pristine house. And me and my as brother- far, as, as, as Homer says, as far as anyone knows, we're a nice, normal family. Exactly. And then, <laughs> you know, everyone else is just kind of moping around the house going, ah, oh, we've got to bloody clean up and get ready for the guests. And no <laughs> no one else cares as much as well, yeah. this one person in the family. We had this thing the other day, the lovely Louise's eldest son came down with COVID and we were trying to sort of work out, you know, logistics of, well, you know, 
his younger brother can't be in the house at the same time, all this kind of stuff. He's like, oh, can, can he come over and to yours for a little while? And I'm like, if you can give me 20 minutes, <laughs> because I, I don't even want a 12-year-old seeing how much cat fur is on the floor. You know, it's like, you couldn't have vacuumed this up, you know, it's it's just sitting there, you know, gathering, this dust is gathering dust. It's like, it's like, the, it's like the iconic pile of sticks at the front of your house. <laughs> Yeah, it's back. One of these days, I'm going to put those in the boot of the car, take them down to my sister's. Like, here's your firewood. Here's this firewood I've been promising you since 2018. Here it is. So, um, (laughs) Mike has no idea what I'm talking about. It's a little inside joke we have here, but I dropped the SD card off to to guys. Just his pile of sticks at the front. That I was his pile of sticks on the step that's basically stopping people from coming. (laughs) It's like like the fucking Blair Witch lives here. It's so good. You have to step over this pile of sticks to get to his house. It's so great. <laughs> Dan, though, to his credit, this is the first time he's ever mentioned that he doesn't look at me when he comes around and says, what's with the sticks on the stairs? He's just like, good to see you, mate. See you. <laughs> Walking off, going home to Nicholas saying, don't make me go around to guys again. I, I look at it and I, sometimes I pull up and I'm like, I'll be sad the day I pull up and it's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but, anyway, uh, but it's, it's 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 top of the 2020, 2023 New Year's resolution. List. Yes, yes, move yes. sticks from step. <laughs> uh, so everyone's arrived, and she makes Bart greet people at the, at the door. Um, Reverend's first to come through. He hasn't got a coat, but he's stolen some umbrellas. <laughs> I, I I love that moment for Bart as well because like. I feel in Bart's mind, like he just wants to do the right thing by his mum mm. so much. So Marge goes, you know, take everyone's coats. He's like, oh, Reverend Lovejoy doesn't have a coat. Like, do I let him in? Yeah. <laughs> he just he doesn't. doesn't have that gift for improvisational thinking. <laughs> yeah. And they're just, it shows how far removed from social norms like the Simpsons kids are. Like Bart just cannot um, coherently process mm. this moment. He's just like, I don't know if I should let him in. I love that. Yeah, I got one job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Hibbets aren't bothered with uh, with fur being murder. Paying for it is, though. <laughs> I love how all the Hibbets have exactly the same laugh. <laughs> yeah. And then, as you said at the start, Mike, um, the Van Houtens arrive and they're already just at each other because she doesn't want anyone to know that you haven't got any eyebrows. I love that when you reveal something about somebody that they clearly don't want to and they go, what? You don't. <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> One thing about that um, is that the Van Houtens are, I believe, some of the only characters in The Simpsons that actually have eyebrows. Yes, you, that's right. Yeah, yeah that is I, true. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's them. just them. Like, if you look at any of The Simpsons, um, None of them have eyebrows. I think there's ones mm. like in later in later episodes, but they're definitely one of the more like iconic characters that they have mm. eyebrows for sure. And the one eyebrowed baby as well. Yes, there's yeah, there's one <laughs> little Gerald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this is Gerald. where the um we get the cool shot of the kids playing in the other room, and clearly Bart's like the ringleader. And of course, Bart's the ringleader. He's the one instigating all the, the mayhem and the, the life of the party. And then the the parents are trying to have a civilized conversation about Woodsy Allen and. <laughs> I just don't like that nervous guy that's always in them. And it's just clearly like, you know, a conversation where they think they know what they're talking about, but they have absolutely no idea. Mm. Just trying to sound distinguished. And then Luann brings up the um the the Bonneville getting egged. Just I mean, she gives it to Kirk just as much as he gives it to her. Really. They're just at each other. They're both as bad as each mm. other, really. Clearly she's disappointed with her life. He's taking advantage of her. So like he's the reason that the marriage is not not the entire reason, but she's the he's the main reason why the um It takes two to tango, but Kirk is definitely leading. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a great zinger, though. Should have asked her some bacon, could have had a decent breakfast for once. What, what a zinger. <laughs> I mean, dick move, but an absolute zinger. See, Kirk does have the gift for improvisational thinking. You know? Yes, yeah. 
Homer then suggests a little comic strip called Love Is. And then we cut to after dinner and uh, Homer and Kirk smoking, as I said. Hibbert praises the food and Luann says that, you know, oh, she, she talks about Kirk eating noisily, so they're still at each other margins. She, she's sort of panicking here. She doesn't want her party to go to shit, so she suggests some games. What's your favourite party game, guys? I actually love Pictionary. This is my dream party. I would have mm-hmm. loved to be in this scenario. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the game Code Names. If you've never played Code Names, check it out. You guys will love it. It's a it's the perfect party game. Mine is called Is That the Time? What's that? Oh, is that the time? Oh, is that the time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry. Look, we could do a whole episode on this, but I'm just going to give a shout out to, to Love Is. Um, as someone who was a child in the 70s, these, these, those two little naked eight-year-olds were everywhere. Um, okay. Yeah, you, you just see them, yeah, them holding hands. It's like, those two, those two suspiciously adult-looking children or suspiciously childlike-looking adults are naked. And also just giving you sort of weird little um, platitudes about, oh, love is looking out for one another. It's like, yeah, fucking okay. knew that, pal. <laughs> Some, put some clothes on your shit. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all playing Pictionary, and yeah, everyone remembers this this scene. It's just they're so iconic. The Flanders with their coin starch, keeping down the urges, then Kirk drawing his dignity. And I've just got here. This is me and Nicola because Nicola and I are playing games. We're very competitive, whether it's in a team or against each other. But the way that they're at each other, and he wants her to, he just wants to win, and he's, he's blaming her for the fact that they're not winning. Have you ever been in a moment with like your spouse or a friend of yours where you're like, come on? Pull your weight. Do better. I want to win this. Nick, Nicola and I are so much like this when it comes to games. Like we, we have to win. I, I get scared when I'm playing against Nicola because she has to win all the time. And if she doesn't win, I'm in trouble. I remember this time when I was... Um, do you know that game? I, th- I can't remember what it's called, but it's where you get a word and you have to describe the word to the person for them to guess without saying the actual word. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. I can't remember the name of the game, but I had the word north and I was on a team and we were losing. So I, I was getting frustrated because I'm competitive. And I said to my teammate, opposite of south, and then he went west. And oh I, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we're never going to win. We might as well <laughs> stop now. Uh, it was so frustrating. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a horrible person. <laughs> also, n- n- never go hiking with that person. Yeah, yeah. you'll get lost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I just got here. So when she draws Dignity, everyone says, oh, you know, that's great. And he pulls, rips it down. I remember as a kid trying to freeze frame it to try and see what mm. the actual picture was. But it's just a blank page. They never actually drew anything. Yeah. Because in the scene where Homer's designing... No, no, when Homer thinks he's designed like the, the greatest device or something mm. in there and he's, he's trying to see it, but everyone's like in the way at like the conference, in the conference room, they actually did draw this little like wonka looking little gobstopper looking device. So they actually yeah. did make an effort. But for this, they never actually drew, drew anything for Luann's dignity. And I always just remember until it was the DVDs came out, I said, try and freeze. I'm like, I'm like, ah, it's too hard to see because you get the, the big line through the screen when you push the pause button and stuff like that. And then when the DVDs came out, I'm like, ha ha ha, I'm about mm. to see it. And then I saw it was just a blank page and I was very disappointed. But I love it. How, how are you going to describe dignity in a picture? How can I you do know. it? Well, that's, the, that's the thing. Like, do, do you guys think there was any design philosophy behind what Kirk drew? Or is did did someone just go, just make it this? Surely there's got to be an answer out there on the web somewhere. I'm sure mm-hmm. you can find it. If not, next time we talk to a Simpsons animator, I'm going to be asking that question. Yeah. I think there'd be a lot of people out there who would really want to know. I've always yeah. wanted to know that. Like, how yes. did yeah. they come up with that? It's such an iconic image of just nothing. 
Yeah. <laughs> Just, but when you look at it now, and it's like, well, of course that's dignity. Yeah, exactly. well, yeah. <laughs> it's become a self-fulfilling kind of uh, yeah. prophecy or something. <laughs> that's 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 actually really good. That yeah. you know, they found a way to um, illustrate dignity in a way that doesn't <laughs> illustrate dignity, but everyone knows that it illustrates dignity now. So if you held that up, people go, "Well, that's dignity, isn't it?" And you feel <laughs> very dignified by knowing it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, that as we said on our Truman Show thing, that's the real three AM of the dorm stuff. It's like, well, wait a minute, what came first? Our sort of wait, what? <laughs> but we just get to the point here where you know when you got that couple who are just at each other, and it gets to the point where it's just all spilling out. You, you can't. You just stand back and just let them go for it. You can't. You can't do anything to stop this. It's just going to happen. And then Homer says, "Shut up and let the woman talk." <laughs> Always love that. And she mentions the yellow biscuits. And she says how she hates borrowing money from her sister, stealing clothes from the church collection box. Yeah. Uh, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> and then Marge, Lisa, come sing a song. It's a yeah. grand old flag. I just fucking love the, the enthusiasm. And she's, like, she's ready to go. She it's was, a, she was waiting immediate. for a moment. Yeah. yeah. But all, I just... <laughs> I also love the way Marge responds here because I feel like, you know, in a situation like this, you do one of two things. The first of which is like, you just kind of look down and, and, and don't acknowledge what's happening and you just kind of let it happen. But then Marge just is trying to diffuse the situation so much. She's like, you know, I can save this. I can save this. Uh, Lisa, come in and sing a song. And it's like the idea. And then Kirk literally goes, oh, now you've got the kids singing. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, I, mean, I absolutely loved it. But then, um, but then when she says she wants a divorce, and I love Kirk's note. First, he's like, Oh shit! And he's like, "Yeah, all right. You want a divorce? You got it, toots." I love the word toots. <laughs> I, I I call Nicholas as a joke, and like she, she she knows I'm just joking. But sometimes she says, "I'm like, you've got it, toots." And now that she gets this joke, like she gets it from this episode, I'm like, I love her even more. But she, but when I first said this to her, she was like, "Don't ever call me toots ever again." But I'm like, "It's okay. It's from it's from the Simpsons. It's a reference. It's it's okay. I'm not I'm not calling you toots." <laughs> Okay, Kirk, I'll tell a story. It's about a man whose father-in-law gave him a sweet job as manager of a cracker factory. Boring. A man whose complete lack of business sense and managerial impotence... Ooh, here we go. ...sent the number one cracker factory in town into a tie for six with table time and allied biscuit. You want to hear a secret, everybody? Luann loves it, loves it when I fail. Oh, yes, Kirk. I love having to borrow money from my sister. I love having to steal clothes from the church donation box. Oh, sweet Jesus. Lisa, why don't you come sing for us? You're a grand old flag. Oh, great. You got the kids singing. I hope you're happy now. I am not happy. And I haven't been happy for a long time. I want a divorce. Oh. <gasps> I, a divorce? Sure, divorce. Hey, you got it, toots. And here's a picture even you can figure out. It's a door. Use it. That's a door? And it, it actually is such a bad drawing of yeah. a door. Like, it's just hilarious. Like, but it's, it's the squint from Homer. That's a door? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then the kids are playing doctors now. But, uh, Guy, you wanted to elaborate on this, I believe. The plane. Oh no, we did the already. Amputate the butt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love. I love this. I've never really picked up on this. But when he says, "Oh, no, I'll go home later," and she says, "There's not going to be a home later," she's referencing legit. There's actually not going to be a home to go home to later. Their home unit is now broken. Mm. But everyone all leaves sad, and Luann leaves Kirk behind. 
What? <laughs> then the next day, Marge is feeling terrible in bed. Marge, that was 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I would have loved if that line was, that was three minutes ago, because that's how long the ad break was or whatever. That would have been a cool little inside gag. But um, she served the North Korean fortune cookies. And then, Marge, you can't keep blaming yourself. Just blame yourself once and move on. <laughs> and Marge says, you know who the real victim here is? Milhouse. We cut to Milhouse sat on the bus, and now he suddenly has something to relate to with Nelson and Kearney. You know, the, mm-hmm. his mum, his um, dad left and his mum got hooked on cough drops. I'll also say that this is this is probably my least favourite part of the episode, particularly the Kearney bit. I just... I, Guy I, loves I, Kearney. Guy loves Kearney. Uh, I just... I, I never <laughs> liked the joke that he has a son because... It I, makes sense. To me, it just breaks the illusion of The Simpsons, which is generally grounded in a reality. And I get the... I get why it's funny, obviously. Like, it is a funny joke, but I don't like that they... That they did that. I don't. It's think a very. It's, t- it's a very season fifteen ish gag. That one. Mm. And I and I believe that um, Kearney's and his son appear again, probably around that era. Like I think when he's teaching his son to ride a bike or something, or or something steal. like that. I remember Isn't that. He like, but- the yeah, kid's something. like, I'm stealing, Daddy, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I just I just get a kick out of the fact that Kearney Junior uh, just has Ralph Wiggum's voice. He does, yeah. yes. They don't bother trying to think of a new voice. Yeah, but he slips in a drawer. And Luan, she's feeling very refreshed. And you think she's just packing up Kirk's stuff, but no, she sets it on fire, which is a nice <laughs> little touch there. I, did, I, I loved her little rendition of I Like the Nightlife. I thought yes, it was very yeah. sort of, it's, it's got a lot of divorced mom energy. It's like, yeah. I like the nightlife. Like like Mar- Marge is there, but why is she there? Because Luann's not really paying any attention to her. And like, it's like, well, what, 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 I guess she was there to sort of see whether Luann was okay, but yeah. Luann's like, I don't need you, fuck off, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. fine. And she, you know, I thought it was a great um, acting from Maggie Roswell in this episode, the voice of Luann Van Houten, particularly this mm-hmm. scene in general. You just, you can, you can just feel through the screen how free she feels or for, uh, finally, yeah. you know, different, different, she's wearing different outfits, she, her hair yeah. looks different, everything. Homer goes to visit Kirk at Casanova, a traditional place for singles, and we get the racing car moment, which is just, it's just become legendary now, hasn't it? The racing oh. car bed. Uh, singles life is great, Homer. I can do whatever I want. Today I drank a beer in the bathroom. You went down the hall. Yeah, and another great thing, you get your own bed. Uh, I sleep in a racing car, do you? I sleep in a big bed with my wife. Oh, yeah. There would be grown men out there who probably sleep in a racing car bed because of this scene. They probably buy a racing car bed just to sleep in one. I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't, like object to that like my whole apartment is covered in like nerd culture and pop culture stuff like i'm just as geeky as as kirk sleeping in a racing car bed but yeah, yeah i mean guys holding yeah. up a funko pop and yeah. i just the think bu- like butch? it's butch college yeah i just um i, I actually i've got a um i've got a a bartman i've got oh, a bartman here i've it, got it, on my desk right here a- oh, E.T. Great. Roll the duck. Brought to you by our friends <laughs> at Funko. <laughs> three generations of four it just It just shows the impact that Funko now has on this world, doesn't it? That we've, everyone's just got a Funko. Like they've got so many licenses now that there's a Funko Pop for something. There's guaranteed to be a Funko Pop for something that you like in your life, you know? And I, But I just think, yeah, that like the racing car bed moment, it's just legendary. And like the... the the quintessential pathetic Kirk moment that he's gotten a divorce and Luann's out dating again and doing mm. all this stuff. And Kirk's like, you know what? I'm going to get a racing car bed. And like, he <laughs> thinks that he thinks that that's like the, the ultimate freedom of being a single man in but your forties or whatever. But here's the thing. It's the quintessential midlife crisis um, <laughs> yeah. um, act 
to um, buy yourself a, a sports car, right? It's the cliche yes, of like- yes. But he can't afford yeah, one, I bought of myself course, a rental. yeah. Kirk can't even swing that. He's just got to get like a, a, a race car bed. Yeah, I've never yeah. sort of put that together. That's 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 even makes that's, it even funnier. Yeah, <laughs> but also the idea that you can get adult sized racing car beds. Like yeah. I've only ever seen a single what single bed size at Kmart or something. It's just how, how how proud he is to introduce it. I sleep yeah. in a racing car. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But then we get. I'll the wager that Homer's line there, where he says, "I sleep in a big bed with my wife." I'll wager that so many married dudes probably looked at their life just that at the moment and went, shit, I got it pretty good. <laughs> exactly. I know. I watched this. I was like- They probably just count their blessing going, oh, I'll get to sleep in a big bed with my wife as opposed to <laughs> literally, literally last night, Nick and I got back from the, the Friends musical parody in Melbourne. We had a night out together and we got back and we're laying in bed and Nicholas has gone to sleep and I'm just thinking- yeah, I better pull my own weight because I'm pretty fucking lucky. You know what I mean? Like, I could be sleeping in a racing car bed by myself at Casanova. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So then we get the uh, the Jerry moment as we discussed earlier with the you know, home wanted to be introduced and whatnot, which is just yeah hilarious. And Kirk's like, "Don't worry, you know me." And I'm a big a big wheel at the cracker factory. You're letting me go, Kirk. Crackers are a family food. Happy families. Maybe single people eat crackers. We don't know. Frankly, we don't want to know. It's a market we can do without. So that's it after 20 years. So long, good luck. I don't recall saying good luck. The I don't recall saying good luck is one of the my favorite lines ever. I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> I just love how invested this guy is in crackers, though. It's like, yes. It's a family. Maybe single people eat crackers. Don't know. Don't want to know. It's a market we can do without. It's a market we can do without. Just invested in like the cracker brand, and it's also the design of him too. He's sitting there with his hands, fingers crossed. That's the it's the look of yeah. it's the look of a guy who's going to fire somebody. Yeah, but he also doesn't have any features. He's no, just like no. Who, his, his whole thing is weird. The shape of his head is weird. He doesn't really have much many distinguishing features on his face. But the voice is really good though. I don't, I want to say Harry. Is it Harry Shearer? For this voice, I, it probably yeah. will be Harry. Sounds, sounds like, like Harry. him. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like <laughs> but yeah, But of course, it's just got that, you know, uh, Cracker Jack, Harry Shearer time. I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so Milhouse is now playing playing up. He's taking advantage of the fact that his mum's carefree and his dad's just a loser, just trying to buy his love. And he's got the, the, the racing car inside. Ironically, yeah. Ah, yeah, everything's coming together. By the way, I, um, I said before about how Kearney Jr. has the same voice as Ralph. We on the Four Finger Discount Network uh, do another show called Going Down to South Park, where we uh, have ourselves a time talking about South Park. Leanne sounds a lot like, oh, Luanne sounds a lot like Leanne Cartman here. She does, actually. Yeah, now that you've said that, yeah. Another indulgent mother. So there we go. It's like Maggie Roswell's voice, though. It's sort of like... It's, they're all they all sound similar Helen Lovejoy and Maud Flanagan but there's a slight tweak to them to sort we can sort of differentiate them but you can tell it's Maggie Roswell but yeah she does sound like Leanne from um from South Park check out that podcast if you haven't yet it's gone really well at the moment Mr Davis we've got our own Facebook page now for the, for the South Park page and Twitter and the Instagram and people are enjoying it so check it out going down to South Park available on Spotify Apple Podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts alright so Chase arrives Bart realises it's Pyro it's a flashback to Gladiators I loved fucking loved Gladiators when I was a kid loved it <laughs> one of my favourite shows you know, during the week he's just an average day uh, average work at a stuntman 
smashes the, the, the chair on his back. I love the wince when Bart does it. He's like, oh, that hurt a little bit, but it's okay. Mm. I'm fine. <laughs> and then he tries, to, or they leave in the, in the ball. I'm not sure what one of those balls is called, but the gladiator balls. <laughs> and then Bart tries this on Homer. If you had said to me, which episode is this from? I would have, top of my head, I would have forgotten. But no, it's, it's this one. Another one of those moments where I feel, I feel like we have to have a segment each episode where we go back and revisit one, Mr. Davis, where we go, things we forgot were in this episode. And well, exactly. Stoner's Pop is- Palace and the chair on the Homer's back in the, in the bath. This is a very meme, very meme heavy episode. This yeah, one. yeah. Be- between the- race car, smash, uh, chair smash has become a, definitely become a thing, uh, and uh, dignity. I think all the, yep. all the, you'll find all these used and deployed on various social media platforms. A massive shout out to Dan Castaneda for his incredible response to being hit by oh, the, the chair. Like I just think he's like. I can't remember exactly what he says. He was like, oh, what the hell? Like that kind of vibe. And it's so well voice acted. It feels like he was actually smashed in the back with a chair. Yeah. And a shout out to Mike for pronouncing Dan's uh, surname so well. Something that I haven't been able to do in at least, uh, what, three years of doing this show? <laughs> Castellanat. Castellanat. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Margell's out. She said she got, they got uh, Chase and Luann. They're already taking people out to places. Um, it goes to the show, though. Luann, was, she never did things. And now that she's with Chase, this new man, she's willing to take Marge out somewhere, Marge and Homer, to Spalding Grey, which I didn't look up. What is Spalding Grey? Spalding Grey is actually a person. Uh, he person, was sorry, a, okay. a, a monologist. Um, okay. did, had a fantastic show called Swimming to Cambodia. Um, came to a sad end. Uh, Spalding Grey took his own life sometime in the 90s or 2000s, I believe. Okay. Okay, well, it must have been after 96 at least, because I wouldn't have made this joke otherwise. But um, I was like, I don't want to go to that. <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, it's I'm, very... I'm it, homie, yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound like something I'd say. <laughs> Spalding Gray is a name that you would probably drop at the same dinner party where you drop Woodsy Allen. <laughs> Ooh, the latest Spalding Gray monologue. So Marge, Marge is at the point, she's like, you know what, I'm going without him. Fuck it, doesn't matter. Homer, then, he's, he's willing to go to Moe's though, and this is where he meets Starla. I love that she drinks the, with the ciggy still in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she asks for the keys. Oh, can I have the keys, lover? I'm going to go change my wig. <laughs> uh, she's a temp at KZOG Radio 530-530. Uh, she says, she's going to help me start my singing career. And you hear it drive off. My demo tape. And it's just like, oh. It's, um, you, know, you just feel so sorry for Kirk here, but... Yeah. I don't know, I gotta it's the photo of Canaborough feeling. Homer's laugh is pretty justified. <laughs> yeah, I mean, i got to say, you, I do feel really sorry for Kirk in, in this scene. But, yeah, you're right. Like, I, and, I, and I love Homer. It's like, go ahead, laugh at me. I already did. Yeah, already did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Homer's like a conscious. He's like, well, I'm not going to laugh again. I already no, well, did I, laugh at I've you. already done it. And what I like here is that they, they put in the usual plot lines, the cliche plot lines where you think, oh, Kirk's turning a corner. He realises mm. the error of his ways. They're going to get back together. You know, he's like, you know, I didn't do any housework. Got to make you feel special. Oh, you can't just be about the sex. It just can't. And then... <laughs> Stay uh, in you know, shape. Oh, yeah, for yourself as for well. for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great moments in in line delivery from from our man Dan C. <laughs> this this was Put a highlight of Homer. Love it and for yourself. And then you know one day uh, with your wife or your wife uh, making you go home from work. I think he says your wife making your favorite meal. The next day you're throwing hot dogs in a gas station sink. And I was like, well, that never happened to me because Marge and Homer got a strong marriage with a solid foundation of routine. <laughs> Gets home, I don't smell dinner. <laughs> Forget forgets that she's gone out. To see Spalding Grey, and then the you know, dear Homer, ah, 
<laughs> but reading the letter. Um, and sorry you couldn't come. I left hot dogs thawing in the sink. A great cut to commercial. Just a hot dog. <laughs> it's so awesome. Uh, we come back from commercial. Homer's now eating hot dogs with mustard. Hasn't bothered to like make a sandwich or anything. Lisa comes in at the middle of the night. You know, there's buns in the cabinet. <laughs> Dipping it in the, in the mustard jar. I think it's so awesome. We've I all had that moment in life where we're just it. like, I can't be fucked cooking. Just give me meat and some sort of dip. That's, just, that's all yeah. I need. <laughs> a condiment and chicken. That's all I want in my life right now. But what, what are you guys like when it comes to condiment sharing? So if you go to a place, you know, a hot chicken project in Geelong, they have chicken tenders or whatever, and there's a tub of like mustard or garlic aioli or whatever. If someone's dipped their chicken in there, taken a bite, and then dipped it again, are you like, motherfucker, what are you doing? Like, are you, do you allow the first dip only or do you not care if they dip multiple times? It's first dip only. And once you've taken a bite, you can dip the other side, but you do not dip the bitten side. That is disgusting. And no normal person would do that. But they've, they've, they've touched it with their hand the other end though. So Yeah, I, I care less about the hand than the mouth. <laughs> okay. as, as they say, there are more germs in your mouth than there are in the average dog's mouth. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but because uh, Nicola, I remember it was like one of our first dates, and she like double dipped, and I was like, "I like you, I don't, I don't mm. mind this." But when it's when it's like friends, and I'm at like at, at, out with mates, and there's a group of people, and they just dip and dip and dip, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, if what you're going to be putting your mouth on their mouth, I don't think it matters about the double dipping. Mm. That's true, exactly right. Yeah, so um, Lisa walks in as we said, and Homer says, "No pressure, I know you're eight, but you need to save my marriage." And she's like, "She's been through a lot of things, you know, Mum. Why would she leave you now?" <laughs> she, uh, she, there's a lot of things I've done that she doesn't know about you mean that poker shack in the swamp mm-hmm. she knows <laughs> and then we get the flashback of um of shotgun Pete's where they get when they get married and to a whale of a wife which I forgot was in this episode as well the cake to a whale of a wife which I think is awesome one of my favourite moments is just the is the celebrant you know yeah. when he's getting the names okay do you <laughs> and do you <laughs> I love that and he's got the seedy little wispy moustache just perfect but the, yeah. just the do you and yeah. <laughs> love it uh, perfect but then um, then Marge says here it's less likely you're going to yell surprise and have my friends jump out I wanted to mention this at the start I completely missed the whole plant there the seed plant that, that's exactly what Homer gives her at the end mm. yelling the surprise I never as a kid picked up on that. That that they get the flashback of the fact that she wanted a surprise wedding, and he gave her the actual surprise with her friends coming out. I thought it was just that just a little touch that the, the Simpsons gives you that not many other animated shows do. Just it hit me right in the feels. But um, but yes, yeah, so we get the, the flashback as we said, and then my, uh, Lisa's you're very lucky to have mum. That's your advice. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next morning, Homer has bought tickets to the entire season, as you said, Guy, an evening with Philip Glass. <laughs> just an evening? the elderly Paul. Yes. And then Marge says, I just, she just wants to go to sleep. So he makes soothing ocean sounds, which for me was like the peak of comedy. I thought it was the fucking greatest thing ever. Agreed. <laughs> when I was a kid, like this was so often quoted. Like, Yeah, this was the standout for me. The moments like this. Yeah, I would do this to my friends on sleepovers. I'd be like, oh, I'll just make some soothing sounds. And then you, you just start getting into chaos. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> We're now at the perm. Num- number of sleepovers Mike attended. One. Yeah, <laughs> never got an invite back. There's actually a very similar joke in an episode of Family Guy where Peter buys a like Sound of the Forest CD and it okay. starts off with like tranquil forest sounds and then it slowly descends into a bunch of loggers driving in in trucks and yep. um, <laughs> sawing the trees down. That's cool. 
I am. Um, I've honestly, I reckon I've watched maybe two seasons of Family Guy. It's one of those shows where I'm like, I'm gonna watch it, but then I just, ah, it's, got, it's just too much other shit for me to watch. But I'm, um, I'm sure I will one day. I enjoyed the Star Wars parody movies. I remember. Well, if you, you ever like, if you ever end up doing a Family Guy podcast, I will join you for that for sure. Yeah, I feel like Family Guy was like your gen- how old are you by the way, Mike? I'm 27. 27. So you're not like you're, you're only seven years younger than me, but it's, it's enough where like Family Guy was like a show that you sort of grew up with. Where so I grew up with The Simpsons. Well, the Simpsons was always on, but Family Guy was like the new cool fun show when you were like the age where The Simpsons was the new cool fun show for us. Hundred percent, and also like. When we discovered Family Guy as kids, it was like we'd been watching The Simpsons for a while and we loved it, but Family Guy was just a little bit juicier. Like it was, you'd, you'd just hear a little bit mm. more curse words. There was a little bit more um, sexual references and adult themes. So when you're like, you know, 11, 12, 13, you're like, oh, we have to watch this show. And then maybe when I was about 14, 15, I started getting into South Park. So, so, so that, if your Family Guy to you was South Park to us. I was watching that yeah, when I was right. 10. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and South Park was just like it felt naughty to watch it which made you want to watch it you know but, well I um, actually watched yeah. the South Park movie when mm-hmm. I was about 10 years old yeah, um, yeah and yeah. that whole movie Perfect is about the, the kids from South Park going to see a movie that is extremely rude and offensive and it kind of ruins their lives which is kind of exactly what happened to me when I watched it because I was like Oh my god! I didn't know these swear. I didn't know you could combine swear words. Like, I, and it was just like all of a sudden, I was just like swearing like crazy, and it was yeah. exactly what the movie was trying to say would happen. I mean, m- mother is a nice word. You had fuck it to the end. <laughs> <laughs> donkey eating, That's donkey eating, shit eater right is another there. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's let's get through to um to the end of um Milhouse Divided. But we're yes. at the perm bank now, and Marge getting her hair done by Armando. And the I hope it takes bank. over. I love that. I've, I've got this. <laughs> he wants to give her a, a, a surprise, kicky summer do. But she's not a fan of this at all. She's a grown woman. She can take care of herself. And he realizes here, you know, Marge, she needs a fresh start. And I remember they used this clip in the promotional uh, material where Homer's like, it's like the Simpsons are getting a divorce, and it's like Homer's like. I fight for divorce. And the whole episode was marketed as the Simpsons are getting a divorce. The whole Kirk and Luann thing wasn't even like taken into account. It was just Homer and Marge are getting divorced. divorce. Watch this week. Shit's going to go down. I remember that was like the thing you're, you're waiting to see as it was going Makes on. Makes sense from a marketing perspective, oh, I guess. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Marge uh, get, bring, gets home from, with the, from the dentist with the kids, but she's only got three, um, what are they called? Three Cavities. Cavity, that's right, yes. So she's going to make a specialty, which is the uh, the chicken dish. I think it was buttered chicken or something. Butterscotch chicken. Butterscotch chicken. I'll admit it. I'm fascinated. (laughs) We don't really say cavities in Australia. Like, when I was growing up, we just called them holes. Like, you've got a hole in your tooth. We say cavities. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Other people say cavities. I never knew what a a cavity was growing up. And my, like, we would all just be like, you've got a hole in your tooth. Okay, yeah. I, I've heard people say hole in the tooth, but I think just because my mum had cavities, I always just knew what a cavity was, maybe, oh, yeah. weird. I'm sorry, I'm just reminded of um, of Warcard. <laughs> Where it's What's that? Like, What's you know Warcard? the movie Warcard? No. Do you know that one? No. no. Do you not know Warcard? This whole show is just like, remember back in my day when this happened? No, <laughs> this, no. This, this is a movie from 2010. It stars John C. Riley of fucking Step Brothers fame. It's like a piss take on all the music biopics, like oh. Walk the Line and Ray. Someone mentioned this to me recently because of the Weird Al Yankovic one. I thought you said war card. Okay, now oh, I know what in, war card As is. in like a plane. Now I, walk Now hard. I know what Yes, I know that movie. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
he's cut his younger brother in half with a machete. Yes. And it's like, well, it looks like your son's been cutting out. God damn it, Doc, speak English. We're not scientists. It's like, your son has holes in his teeth. Your son has cavities. It's like, speak English. We don't, we're not doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. That's that's very cruel of me. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah. So but Marge has arrived home. We get the cool shot where you think it's going to be sad and depressing. Home. He's got the silhouette in the in the other room. Marge can come in here for a moment. He's very somber, pretending because he wants to surprise her with um with the the perfect uh the perfect start to a, to a new marriage. Because she's like, hey, we don't have to do this. Oh, we do. I filed for divorce this afternoon. Because and but his his justification for doing so makes sense. I wanted this wedding to be marriage to be perfect from the start. I'm like, that's a nice touch. You know, it's like the previous marriage. It's over now. This is a new marriage. And it's going to be good from the start. It doesn't go to plan later on, obviously, but he, his intentions were here at, in this moment. We had the ceremony. He Just one large saying, though, why am I pregnant? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. But but I also love it because, you know, t- as a counter to your argument, Dando, like some couples kind of do this, like they'll renew their vows, but they don't yes. actually go and get an official divorce in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> Nicola, because we're going to have a 10 year wedding anniversary coming up in February. Nicola's like, are we going to renew our vows? And I was like, that just seems kind of corny. I don't yeah. think I want to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the existing vows are working just fine. <laughs> the funny story is that Nicola forgot her vows. And it, like, we both wrote our own vows. And then it's a great moment in our wedding video where um, someone's filming Nicola and they just have a close-up of her face just at the moment she realises that she's forgotten her vows. She just goes... It's like, it's like Macaulay Culkin home alone when he slaps the fucking aftershave on his face. Just like the, oh shit, like she realises. And then she has to like just wing it on the spot. And she pretty much just copied my vows. It was just like, I just gave her my vows and she just changed the names around. But it all went, it all went fine. It was better that way. But um, but yeah, so we've got the ceremony here. Homer has one last chance to enjoy single life. And then um, Homer's got his own vows. Oh, the importance is underlined. <laughs> <laughs> I just love and that it starts going like this, <laughs> and it goes on like this. <laughs> and I was like, "It doesn't matter." He just wants to know, "Will you make me the luck- luckiest guy in the world again?" And takes the ring off her f- off her finger and puts it back on. And we get Marge, and they're, they're dancing. She's loved her night, and <laughs> who likes the Doobie Brothers? Because we got one of them. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like when I went to see Guns and Roses in like twenty, I think it was two thousand and six or something, and I was like, it's "Guns and Roses." With Axel Rose and friends, basically. It wasn't Guns N' Roses <laughs> at all. But I'm going to see the real Guns N' Roses this Saturday at the MCG. Brilliant. Nice. We are running low on time, so I will not go off on one of Guy's patented tangents yes. about how... Is that the Doobie Brother that I think it is? Because that looks like Jeff Skunk Bangster, but he was a guitarist, not a saxophonist. And by the way, let me tell you a couple of things about Jeff Skunk Bangster, because he had a really interesting afterlife, but we won't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's multi-talented. Maybe he can play two different instruments. Quite possibly. <laughs> Did you guys notice as well, just quickly, that the band is playing... Did you notice what song the band is playing in the background? No, this it's, uh, yeah, true, it's true. true. Yeah, it's yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, which is, it's just like they don't usually have too much like commercial music like that in The Simpsons. So oh, but, they, but they do later on, though, man. Like in like yeah, the right. teens, it's, we're just like, holy shit! Like they pulled out the wallet for this one. Like it was yeah, like, okay. it's, it's it goes crazy. But um, but yeah, you're right. At least I guess because they didn't have the words, and but it makes sense though that you'd have like a cover band at a wedding, you know, yes. playing love songs. Oh yeah. Um, but yes, it's a magical way for two people to renew their love, cut to Kirk, and in any other show, you'd be like, oh, okay, this is where him and Luann get together. He's got his own song. He's written a song just for Luann, the band player. It's, you know, you can do a favour for a guy in love? Sure, it's, it's why we're here. That's why we're here. <laughs> and they just instantly know the song? Know that's the song, yes. Yeah, that's what happens in sitcoms. And hit it!
I borrow a feeling Could you lend me a jar of love Hurting hearts need some healing Take my hand with your glove of love How about it, Luann? Will you marry me? Again? Oh, no. Oh, well, uh, can I have my shirts back at least? Okay, you heard the lady. Why don't you take it outside, all right? Uh, I'll be back. Pro probably. <laughs> and he says here, I'll be back, probably. Probably. <laughs> I don't know whether that was the writer's way of saying this could be Kirk's last hurrah. He might not come be coming back because at that point, what was the need to have Kirk anymore? If he wasn't associated with Millhouse, really. But um but yeah, he went on to become one of the legendary characters of the Simpsons teen years for sure. And I, I and just a quick one, like we could spend a whole episode also analyzing the lyrics of Can I Borrow a Feeling, but I mean I, I read on the Wikipedia that I think it was Cheryl Crow was gonna come on and sing an actual mm. version of it over the credits and boy oh boy would I love to have had a full version of this song at some point. That's yeah. my biggest regret about this episode. Because people cover it, but there's only one verse to cover. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if somewhere in the archives of Fox, there's full song, full lyrics mm. of Can I Borrow a Feeling? Because um, it would be great. It's one of those songs that seems to always bring a smile to Simpsons fans' faces. Whenever you go to like a live show and someone's playing Simpsons covers, when this one comes on, you're like, oh yeah, I love this one. Everyone mm. loves this song. <laughs> but just like how pathetic Can I Borrow a Feeling sounds, like yeah. j just as a lyric, like it's so funny. Hurting hearts need some healing. <laughs> but yeah, this is an episode that as a kid, I wouldn't say I skipped it, but it was just one I was just like, ah, it's just there, it's fine. It's got a couple of moments. It's got the um, the racing car and the soothing sounds, that kind of thing. But then, because um, the idea, when you're a kid watching this, the idea of having a racing car bed sounds like the fucking greatest thing in the world, right? Um, but then um, as you get older and you rewatch this episode, you realize there's layers upon layers upon layers upon this and it feels so real and they give you the ending that's the right ending not the cliche sitcom ending it's just it's it's perfect i love it javale javale is here Ooh. we asked our patrons of course for some millhouse divided centric uh, questions i haven't even read them yet what do we got here all right cameron shield says this is to all of us have you ever been to a board game night before if so any good bad memories of being at a board game night well you've discussed yours already haven't you mike your shitty yeah, partner that was my <laughs> that's mine i remember going when i when i first went to england to meet nicola's family we went on a they paid for us to go to um portugal they're like oh by the way birthday happy birthday we're going to portugal i'm like cool <laughs> okay i remember when nice. we were in portugal they had like a, a, a cupboard with some old board games that had been there for clearly like 10 years and one of the games was monopoly and that was an experience. I learned more about her family playing Monopoly than I ever have since. <laughs> I was like, okay, so you're that person and you're that kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> and in the end, I just stood back and went, because Nicola and her brother, I was like, okay, so I'm just going to stand back and let these guys deal with this one. <laughs> it's the great revealer, Monopoly, more so than almost any other game. Maybe Scrabble, but I think Monopoly is really the one. Because yeah. even fake money, even when fake money's at stake, that's when the... <laughs> Yeah, the mongrel comes out or yeah. can come out. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Jesse J says, what's the best slash worst game to bust out at a dinner party? Personally, uh, Jesse likes Cards Against Humanity, even though everyone eventually gets sick of all the dick and poo jokes. What's uh, We've sort of discussed that, haven't we? I've discussed Codenames is my new favourite. My old favourite back in the day, I, I used to, when I was younger, I loved Celebrity Heads. It's the kind of thing that you can easily just pick up when you're a kid. You're like, I'm going to write someone, and it's like, who's 
Dando's favorite football player. It's always going to be that person. It's like you can sort of tell what the person's going to write. But Celebrity Heads was one of those games that you don't really see people playing all that often. But it was fun to play at like primary school. I never really, I never really did it. And we we just sort of you know got drunk and talked shit. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and final one here. Yeah, oh, Sam Pappas just says not a, not necessarily a question. Just one of my favorite episodes, and I can't wait to hear guys' take on it. Everyone wants to hear guys' take on the um, on the classics because, of course, you weren't here for the first ten seasons, were you, Mister Davis? That is correct. I was. Uh, out floating around doing my own thing. Yeah, and I slept right. in a race car bed. We of course asked on Twitter <laughs> as well. Basically, people showing us their uh, their dignity tattoos. That's why I think that would be one of the most tattooed symbols now from the Simpsons is the dignity symbol. Don't you reckon? Yeah, that or the flying hellfish. I've seen a lot of. Yeah, but the flying hellfish is very um, it's very loud though. Like mm. you've got to be, you've got to really love the Simpsons to get a big red fucking flying hellfish on your arm. Yeah, it's much more subtle with dignity, isn't it? Dignity, you can just get on your ankle, or you can get it really small. And people still know what it is. I think dignity's um a, an absolute uh, a ripper. Of and a, the um, best part about having a dignity tattoo is when someone does inevitably ask you, "What is that?" You know the exact line to say. <laughs> Do you want to show the cat? Because the cat's going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, uh, Radio Mike. All right. So let's get into what yes. Radio Mike does for a living. So you recently, you mentioned how you're a producer of various podcasts, Hamish Nandy and, and, and Will Anderson, but you've recently left Will Anderson's uh, podcast as a producer. Is that to start your own thing or...? Well, uh, yeah, they were acquired by Listener, which is a podcast platform here in in Melbourne. So um, I I'm actually still I'm actually still working for them as a digital producer, which was which happened after I announced that I was leaving. So I'm not really <laughs> leaving. I'm just doing less work for them. Um, but yeah, I just want to um, also have time well, we're to quiet quitting, don't we? <laughs> yeah, just um having some more time to allocate to my own stuff. Um, if I can plug my two shows, I do a podcast called 20th Century Boy, which is the conversations you wish you were having about the stuff that no one else cares about. Um, and there's also a spin-off called Mike Talks on that feed uh, that Dando was on a few years ago and Guy and I recorded an episode of last week, which should be out soon. And then years ago? Holy shit. It was like 20... 20- 20 I think so it was a while ago but go and dig that up but I just talk about pop culture and the dumb stuff I'm doing in my life which is very dumb as um as I'm sure you may have seen on my socials and then I also do a podcast called Harry Potter and the Boys when I was 13 I wrote seven Harry Potter fan fiction novels and now each week I get a comedian on and we read a chapter of it and it's an absurd fourth wall breaking adventure um and it's it's growing really quickly which is cool so if you're into nerd culture and i think listeners of this show would would probably enjoy some of my stuff as well so i'd love for you to check it out i should come on that one time because you know i've never read a harry potter book or seen a harry potter film Uh, i would love i'd love to do mate i'd love to do some kind of harry potter content with you even if you just watch the first movie and we discuss it I don't know if that's like a Patreon thing for this feed or for let's, my let's, stuff. Let's, let's get um, let's get Guy and Dano on to do a Harry Potter show. Yeah. What, 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 what was it called again? What, the Harry, Harry Potter show. Harry Potter and the Boys. Harry Potter and the Boys, and I saw it's exploding on um on uh, TikTok, right? Yeah, it's suddenly going really well on TikTok and growing a lot. And it was a spin-off of my other show, Twentieth Century Boy, but now, ironically, it's it's much more successful. So. Do with that what you will, I guess. Well, it's like when we, we've been doing Four Finger Discount for seven years. Now all our other projects like Talking Seinfeld and um, and the one about friends I do with, with my wife, Nicola, and we do um, 
going down to South Park, they're closing in on four-figure discount. Four-figure mm. four discount is kind of like Rod and Todd. He's gaining on us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I just say as well, and I alluded to it at the start of the show, but again, like I, I saw your post, Dando, I think earlier this year where you, and, and you did an episode where you talked about how you were um, taking a chance on yourself and quitting your job and going full-time in podcasting. That's which August, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I just, like, that was such a motivating thing for me as a podcaster as well. And obviously I'm still finding that balance between make, earning money from a job and, and trying to monetize my own content. But to see people, Australian people, people like who live near me, doing that that was really inspiring to me and to be on this pod is is awesome as well so i just thought worth having that on the record for both of you i love what you're doing here it's so much fun well thank you and i'm also very very lucky we're both very very lucky that we have lovely ladies in our lives who can carry the load whilst we build up this this empire (laughs) Um, but yes it's always been a dream of mine to i always said i said it in my year 12 book i'm somehow going to make money from my from watching the simpsons and i've that's what I'm trying to do. And like, I'm not breaking the bank or anything, but we're getting by. Well, I'm paying the bills. And it's just because I'm talking about The Simpsons with Sir Guy Davis here. But when Mitch left the show in season 10, I was like, oh, fuck, what do I do now? Mm. Thankfully, Guy has just stepped in and just carried the baton and just, I mean, without Guy, there'd be no four-finger discount anymore. So it's all it's all thanks to Guy. <laughs> it's very sweet of you, Dan. And thank you very much for saying that. But we all, of course, know you are the man in the driver's seat. I try to be. Not steering very well at the moment, but we're getting there. But um, anyway, but thank you. No, no, no. You're, you're driving like um, uh, Lewis Hamilton. That's <laughs> uh, uh, that's a racing car name, right? <laughs> racing car driver. <laughs> it all comes full circle back to race car. <laughs> that's the kind of multi-level, yeah, yeah, dimensional chess brain thinking that you get on four finger discounts. Is there anything else, Mike? You want to tell the listeners before we let you go? Like you got us. Go for it. What do you want to talk uh, about? If you if, if follow me on Insta, radio.mike and TikTok at radio.mike and I have a YouTube channel, radio.mike, oh, just Radio Mike, where you can see like highlight clips from my stuff as well. So I, yeah. I, I actually think it'd be quite interesting because I'm interested in myself. Your clips that you make where you got like the, the, the words come up on the screen when you're, when you're doing it. Yes. Like, like to, to, so people they can watch it without having to have the volume turned up. Like, how do you go about making all that content? Is, is it a, is an easy process? Because you're, you're like the most prominent person that I see on social media doing that kind of stuff. There might be listeners out there who are doing podcasting. I think we can learn a lot from it. Like, how, how do you go about doing all that? So just like clip of your podcast with the, the dialogue coming up on the screen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a long process that usually I try to do like four or five clips a week. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just manually captioning them. But for me, and I'm I, I like... If you're making a podcast, I think the ironic part about podcasts is that people need to see your podcast as much as they hear it. So you need to make your pod, like, this is just advice I have is like, make your podcast digestible to in all different ways. So whether that's as an Insta reel or TikTok short video or YouTube short or just clips from your podcast. And it is a process, but it's just about getting your content out there. That's because I see it and go, man, I got to do this kind of shit, but it's, it's, the, the amount of stuff I do already takes up so much time. <laughs> it's exactly, just, it's just, yeah. It's a huge time sink. But yeah. I'm a, I'm single and I live by myself, so most of the time I've got nothing to do, to be honest. So but at least at least you get to sleep in a racing car bed at night. That's yeah, matters, exactly. Right? It's just in there. <laughs> I'm also interested to know, you dropped names before. How did you get the Hamish Nandy gig? Like, how do you how do you go from working on CineFM to that? What how'd that all come about? After I graduated my media degree at uni, I um. I got a job at Triple M, which is a radio station here in Australia. And 
Fox FM, same company. And doing what? Uh, just paneling radio shows. So like so you, just, you just so you just applied for it or uh I I was I wrote I was interning at a different radio station and then I wrote emails to all the other stations just asking if there was any work and I got an overnights job. So I was working overnights. And right. then from there I ended up working at Fox FM six PM till one AM on weeknights and Hamish and Andy were doing their drive radio show at the time. Um, and they would finish at 6 p.m. So I would kind of start working in the studio while they were packing down and it, I just kind of got to know them there and, and started working on their show a bit. And then when they left radio to do a podcast, I they needed a junior producer and that was that was me. So that it just it was just a snowball. Yeah, but the thing is though, a snowball because you put in the effort. I always say to people, like they say, how do you get this guest star? Or how did you make that happen? I'm like, I just asked. Because the mm. worst thing that can happen is they just say no. But you've got to yeah. you've got to start that ball rolling. Like you 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 ask for those jobs, and if you didn't send those emails out, the Hamish and anything might never never have happened. You know, mm. and and that's like goes. Oh, sorry, guy. No, no, go ahead, please, Mike. Oh, and that goes back to just when I first met you. Like I was like, it would be cool to get Dando and Mitch on my radio show. Like I'm just gonna send an email and see if they say yes, and you did, and you know that's created this like working relationship as well, which is cool. Mikey, you mentioned that you were um, a junior producer for Hamish Nandy. What does a producer actually do on a podcast? Oh, this is a this is such a like so a how pod- long was a piece of string question. But well, a pod. There's so many different types. How many, of- dr- how many drunk girls have asked you that when you told them you're the producer of Hamish Nandy at a bar? Like, what, oh, what, does, what does a producer do? <laughs> yeah, it, it really is that kind of vibe. But <laughs> producers can range depending on the show from anything between. Like podcast, like what what you do, Dando, is podcast producing, like fundamentally, like editing a podcast, structuring content, making run sheets, liaising with listeners. Um, and then there's also like more administrative um, producer roles, like sales producers and, um, you know, uh, digital producers working on digital output and distribution. Like there's so many different roles, particularly in podcasting now and podcast distribution. So, yeah, there's there's lots of different roles, but yeah. What's funny is how it's all come full circle. Like you say that like we inspired you to sort of do your thing, but now I watch what you do on your content, and you've inspired me to do that now. So it's just like we're inspiring each other. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, like that's awesome. Like, I, 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 I do love having peers in the Australian podcast and content creation space, particularly in pop culture world, and um. Yeah, it's it's awesome seeing everyone do their thing and grow, and I love collaborating as well. So, anytime if there's a chance for me to do a Seinfeld or a Futurama, like I'm hundred percent down for for it. Let's do it. Cool. All right. Well, let's let's plug your um your socials one more time before we wrap up. What what's your your socials? So radio on Insta and TikTok. It's radio Mike on Twitter, radio Mike on YouTube. Basically, radio Mike everywhere. You'll find me. Actually, one more question. Sorry, I know I've yeah. said this, but one more question. Yeah, Harry Potter thing's exploding on TikTok. Does that translate to podcast listeners or does it just sort of translate to just TikTok viewership? Yeah, I've always wondered that. Like the listenership is growing on that Harry Potter pod, but I don't necessarily know if that's due to the TikTok explosion as well. Like I think just sort of maybe the same way Four Finger Discount grew, just because it's a Harry Potter themed podcast and the demographic for that worldwide is so big and maybe just word of mouth, like people are hearing, oh, there's this like funny Harry Potter podcast and the listenership's growing because of that. So I don't know how much 
TikTok leads to increased listenership. But I do think those kinds of uh, distribution methods do lead to awareness of your show yeah. and awareness of your brand. And that's the thing. It's all, all about building awareness because sometimes it can get confusing, especially for people mm. that are starting out. Like I put up a video on our YouTube a few weeks ago. It got like 2 million views. And I'm like, 2 million people watch this. Why aren't 2 million people listening to my podcast? It doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. But yeah, it's just people absorb content in different ways. Yeah, Exactly. And that goes back to what I said about sort of having your content digestible across all different platforms in different forms. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say to our man, Mr. Mike over here? Thank you, Mr. Mike. Thank you guys. <laughs> for gracing us with your presence. Uh, no, no, this was, a, this was a good, fun episode. A good, fun episode of The Simpsons and a very good, fun episode of Four Finger Discount. And look, we all know that Dano doesn't bring the fun. Uh, so I'm going to attribute the fun quotient in this episode to one Mike Liberale. Thank you so yes. much, my man. Radio Mike. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our review, our recap, our revisit of A Millhouse Divided, a sensational episode that I definitely appreciate much more. I think I appreciate it more definitely even than the last time I did it with Mitch because it would have been, what, four years ago, I reckon? I was Before I was... I've been married, but I didn't have kids at that point, I don't reckon, when we originally reviewed it. And my whole outlook on life's just changed since having having kids. But Millhouse Divided, an absolute fantastic episode. Guys, don't forget to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify. Leave us five stars on Spotify as well, wherever you do listen to this podcast. And leave us a few kind words on Apple Podcasts as well. Also, if you do enjoy the show and you want to support us, you can do so for as little as one single dollar you do per month on Patreon. Links in the description of this podcast, patreon.com slash discount. And as we've discussed here on this podcast, we do other shows going down to South Park, talking Seinfeld, the one about friends, and we do a couple, a couple of exclusives on our Patreon, Tales of Futurama and the movie guys where this month we did Starship Troopers. I'm excited for you guys to listen to that one as well. So this has been our review of Millhouse Divided. For now, Mr. Davis, any final words for those incredible listeners out there? Podcast with Dando and Guy? Just a podcast? <laughs> Shh.